Chapter 11 of The Principles of Economics with Applications to Practical Problems. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dave Thackeray. The Principles of Economics with Applications to Practical Problems by Frank Albert Fetter. Chapter 11. Repair, Depreciation and Destruction of Wealth. Relation to its Sale and Rent. Section 1. Repair of Rent-Bearing Agents. 1. The continued rent of indirect agents is dependent on the continual repair of certain parts necessary for their efficiency. All earthly things wear out or decay. Whenever man's hand is withheld, nature takes possession of his work, regardless of his purposes. Dust gathers on unused clothes, and moths burrow in them. Shut up a house, and windows are shattered, roofs leak, and vermin swarm. To close a factory is to hasten the time when buildings and machinery will be piled upon the rubbish heap. The most magnificent and solid works of man have crumbled under the finger of time. The earth is strewn with ruins of gigantic engineering works, aqueducts, canals, temples and monuments, whose restoration would be no less a task than was their first building. Everywhere vigilance and repairs are the conditions of continued uses of wealth. Some works of nature, such as waterfalls, may appear to have continued use, without repair, but they bear rent only when used with other things that must be constantly mended. A certain amount of labour on the banks of the mill stream, and certain repairs on the dam, the water wheel, and the gates are necessary. By a fiction in business contracts, the waterfall may be dealt with apart from those conditions to its use, and may be rented, as a field is, with the agreement that the tenant keep up the repairs. The efficiency of land as mere standing room usually does not seem to be dependent on repairs, but here again the land yields rent in connection with other rent-bearing agents, such as houses and other agents above ground, which must be repaired. Standing room on land is not a complete indirect agent. It is but one of the conditions for carrying on an industry, and even it often requires repairs to make it usable. Ranging from these extreme cases of stableness and durability, indirect agents vary to the extremes of fragility and ephemeralness. 2. Most of the qualities that contribute to make land fertile in agriculture being destructible, the constant repair of tilled land is necessary to its continued fertility. If any things could be said to be indestructible, they would be some of the works of nature. In a sense, all matter is indestructible. Man cannot annihilate it. He can simply change its condition. But in economic discussion, it is the value of things that is being considered, and from this point of view, everything is in some degree destructible. The effects of bad husbandry are everywhere apparent, and in many regions fertile fields have been physically and economically destroyed. In Asia, lands that once supported millions, perhaps hundreds of millions, of population are now deserts. 
Egypt, for a time reduced to a semi-desert condition, has only in the past century been restored to a certain extent by the use of new methods and a return to the old ones. Many of the areas that were the granaries of Rome can now hardly support a sparse, half-starving population. The lands, or at any rate the elements that gave them value, have been destroyed. Even in young America may be seen the effect of a failure to keep land in repair. As the new rich lands of the West were opened up, the old lands in the East were allowed to wear out, and many of them were abandoned. On the new lands in turn the same methods were followed, using up the first rich store of fertility with no attempt to keep up the quality of the soil. This may have been the best policy for the time. It would not have been economical to employ old-world methods of intensive husbandry when such rich, extensive areas were being opened up. But the process was one destructive of natural resources. As settlement moved westward, great forests fell in ashes, and the soil was robbed of the fertile elements which it had taken centuries for nature to store up. 3. The machinery and appliances used in transportation and manufacturing are all perishable in varying degrees. Take as an example the great agency for transportation, the railway. The roadbed, which is but the natural soil excavated or filled to a better grade, is the most permanent part. Yet every frost weakens, every rain undermines a portion of it. Earthquake landslide and flood fill up the ditches or tear down the embankments. Constant work is needed to keep it fit and safe for use. Above this is the track, slightly less permanent, more frequently changed. The ties rot and even the rails of steel must be at times replaced. The rolling stock is still less durable and the different parts vary in length of life. It is said that the wheel tyres are renewed four times, the boiler three times and the paint seven times before a locomotive is entirely worn out. The oil used in the wheel, which is a necessary part of the running machine, has to be applied every day. There is a great difference in the length of life of manufacturing appliances. The building is fairly durable yet an average depreciation rate of one and one-half percent a year must be allowed to offset a reduction in its value of over 50% in 30 years. Machinery differs greatly in durability. Well-made, substantial machinery depreciates about 5% yearly. The engines and boilers depreciate more rapidly than the running gear, the loose tools have to be replaced every second to fourth year, while the materials consumed in the industry must be repaired and replaced at every repetition of the process of manufacture. If a factory is to be maintained in its efficiency in accordance with the terms of the renting contract and is to continue its renting power, everything about it must be from time to time repaired and replaced. 4. Neglect or postponement of repairs must cause a falling off of the rent-earning power. The neglect of repairs may have different results in the factory. 
the neglect of one kind simply reduces present rental, while not preventing the future restoration of the plant to its full efficiency. If certain necessary tools wear out and are not replaced, the factory as a whole will be less efficient. Each part of the entire outfit being needed in due proportion, the loss in rental will correspond not merely to the lost efficiency of the missing tools, but to the crippled efficiency of the remaining appliances. Failure to apply seed to the land causes the land as a whole to be useless for that year's crop. In other cases, neglect of repairs increases the expenses of repairs and cuts off future rental. The adages, a stitch in time saves nine, and an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, must be acted upon in every industry. The neglect to repair a roof causes damage to an amount many times the cost of a new roof. Failure to replace a bolt costing five cents may result in the rack and ruin of a machine worth many dollars. A handful of earth on a dike may save a whole country from destruction. Neglect of repairs may be economical, however, when outer conditions have first reduced the demand for the agent and consequently the rental, when the line of travel changes, it does not pay to keep an old hotel up to the same state of repair as when it had a great patronage. Old factories sometimes may be better be allowed to depreciate while the price of repairs is invested in more prosperous industries. In a declining neighbourhood, the houses fall into decay, the owners seeing that it would not pay to keep them up. Section 2. Depreciation in rent-earning power of agents kept in repair. 1. Even where repairs are thoroughly kept up and present rent is undiminished, future rents may be decreasing because of natural decay. Changes go on in the substance of things which cannot be prevented by any attention to repairs. The wood in a framework will decay. The metals crystallise. There is also an unpreventable wear of parts that cannot be replaced without replacing the whole machine. It is the aim of the modern manufacturers to make machines like the wonderful one-horse shea, every part of equal durability. The development in America of the system of interchangeable parts has greatly simplified and cheapened repairs and has lengthened the working life of machines. Nevertheless, their lot is the scrap heap at last. This general depreciation appears to be nearly avoided in large factories where there is serial replacement of the parts, but occasionally some invention or some improvement of process necessitates an almost completely new equipment. An old man once said to me, I have lived in this house 40 years. It was well built, has been repainted regularly, has never been allowed to leak a drop, and it is as good as it ever was. I see no reason why it could not be kept to eternity, if always kept in repair. But the same could not be said of the house now. In general, there is finally a termination of the rent-earning power of wealth, and the whole has to be replaced. 2. A change in inventions and processes may reduce the rent of agents, independently of their material condition. Rent is dependent on the indirect relation of things to wants. That relation may be changed if some other agent is found fitted to serve these wants more directly. 
Not only do the materials of houses change, but fashion and engineering skill change, making the old mansions cheerless and inconvenient and affecting their rent-earning power. At every moment, in a progressive society, many rent-earning agents are being thrown out of use. The machinery and flour mills has been almost completely changed, parts of it repeatedly, while the roller process has been substituted for the old millstones. Water power, because of its uncertainty, has been replaced in many places by steam power, and in many places steam power in turn has been rivalled by water power since the improvements in the generation and transmission of electricity. A change in the process of making paper threw out of use most machinery that was only in part saved by its removal and adaptation to the making of coarser grades of paper. Many minor inventions in the iron industry, still more the invention of the Bessemer process, threw out of use great numbers of the old appliances. 3. A change in the outer conditions that give occasion to the use of agents may cause depreciation. The exhaustion of materials on which machinery is employed may reduce its usefulness. A sawmill located in the midst of a forest has a high earning power while the forest lasts, but when the forest is cut off, the mill itself declines in value. Unless it can be removed to another forest and thus have its earning power renewed, it will have the value only of scrap iron. It has become an indirect agent in the wrong place. Oil boring machinery, where a rich supply of oil is found, has a high rental for a time, but when the oil fields give out, the machinery falls in value, being worth more or less than the cost of transporting it according as the next oil field is near or far. Changes in fashions, calling for different types of products, cause a depreciation in the value of the old agents. Coarse salt, evaporated by the sun, was used by our fathers, but the finer product of the steam process is driving out the product of the old solar plants. As homespun went out of use, much machinery still in good physical condition was cast aside. Changes in transportation work, revolutions, in industrial methods, many prosperous small forges on the country roads of Pennsylvania became valueless after the building of the railroads. New forges were built at favoured points where materials and products could be shipped by rail. 4. The agents employed in any industry range from the more efficient, high rent, down to the less efficient, low rent, grades in a more or less regular series. It follows that as these changes are going on, the place of agents on the scale of efficiency is constantly shifting. The various agents represent all grades of efficiency. One depreciates, possibly is restored later and takes a high place, and again depreciates until finally it is thrown out of use. One loom embodies the latest improvements and corresponds to the most fertile field, Another can still be made to yield a little rent. The use of a third results in a certain loss. A great mass of no-rent agents lie just below the margin of utilisation in every industry. Some of these are permanently abandoned. Some will be taken back into use when business conditions improve. When the iron industry is dull, many forges are out of blast. 
but when iron is again in demand there is a gradual taking up of the abandoned forges factories and machines as they are brought within the margin of profitable utilization many agents not actually earning a rent may become rent earning through a change in business conditions section three destruction of natural stores of materials one a large part of industry is now conducted without regard to the preservation of the sources of income a striking example of this is the use or rather the destruction of the american forests in the last century the demand for lumber grew rapidly both on account of domestic needs and of the needs of the older countries great quantities of wood have been used and still greater quantities wasted trees being girdled the ground burned over the timber destroyed in any way that would clear the soil timber which today would be of far more value than is the cleared land on which it stood considering present needs and conditions the labor seems to have been worse than wasted the direct effect of this destruction of the supply has been the increase in the value of timber to the settlers much of the timber was worse than useless they paid and labored to get rid of it now the supplies of lumber must be sought on the very margins of our territory florida maine northern michigan and wisconsin washington and oregon the supplies in washington and oregon are almost unavailable in the eastern states on account of the cost of transportation professor marsh thirty years ago strikingly characterized the policy that has been pursued we are breaking up the foundation timbers and the wainscoting of the house in which we live in order to boil our mess of pottage the indirect effects of these changes are fully as great as the direct ones forests greatly affect climate temperature and soil they influence the humidity they equalize the flow of streams moderate floods and by preventing the washing down of the rich soil keep the mountain sides from becoming bare and sterile rocks so within the last two decades the people in america have begun to think of forestry its purpose is to restore the forests to the condition of permanent rent earners to make the mountains yield not a temporary supply but a perpetual crop of timber two the extraction of coal and other mineral deposits reduces for future generations a supply already limited the coal deposits in the earth have only recently been drawn upon a small city like ithaca probably uses today a greater quantity of coal than was used in all europe two centuries ago the large deposits of coal and their early development in england long gave a great advantage to english industry over that of other countries in england however has first been felt the fear of the exhaustion of the coal supply professor jevons in 1861 sounded the note of alarm he prophesied that because the coal deposits of america were many times as great as those of england industrial supremacy must inevitably pass to america already the supremacy in coal and iron production has passed to america 
and that in textiles soon will come. In England, the accessible supply of coal is limited. Deeper shafts must be sunk, and the coal gotten with greater difficulty and at greater expense. Coal has risen in price in England within the last few years and will continue to rise in the future. The coal deposits of America are 37 times as great as those of England, but even these will soon be exhausted. And yet on the part of all except the coal trust, there appears in America a thoughtless disregard for the future. Supplies of copper, iron and lead in favoured positions are likewise limited and are being rapidly centred in the hands of great companies. The increasing demand for these products ensures a steadily rising income from their annual use. The value of the mines, being based on the series of incomes they will yield, may increase, while their unused treasures dwindle in quantity. 3. The exhaustion of natural stores of material is due to civilization but it threatens to put an end to industrial progress. The savage does not go deep enough to use up permanently the world in which he lives. He uses the fruit that he finds, and those fruits are, almost without exception, renewed the next year. The only mines that were worked out in ancient times were gold and silver mines, while the mines of useful metals were touched, but lightly. Within the last century, the Earth's crust has been exploited with startling rapidity. Scientific knowledge and mechanical improvement have combined to unlock the storehouses of the geologic ages. At the ever-increasing rate of their use, many important materials must be exhausted in the not far distant future. While it is probable that substitutes will be discovered for many of them, the outlook in some directions has little promise. To treat terminable incomes, exhaustible sources of supply, as permanent sources of income, leads alike to unsound theory and to reckless practice. End of chapter 11. Repair, depreciation and destruction of wealth. Relation to its sale and rent. Recording by Dave Thackeray of DaveThackeray.com